Welcome to Positivity Strategist, a podcast that injects a good deal of optimism and possibility into your life at home and at work. Conversations with thought leaders and everyday people shine the light on what works and amplifies those everyday micro moments of positivity, irrespective of what else is going on. You'll be energized by lots of practical tips, inspiring you to live a truly satisfying and meaningful life. Hello, everybody, and a big welcome and a big thank you for listening to Positivity Strategist podcast. I'm Robin Stratton Burkessel, and I'm speaking to you from Atlantic Highlands in New Jersey, and New York City is just north of me across the harbor. And, and actually, if I stand on my step and all the foliage is gone, I can actually see the lights of New York City glistening in the distance. And my guest today is speaking to me from further up north. She's speaking to me from Canada. In fact, Petersburg, Ontario. Is that correct, Michelle? Peterborough, yes. Peterborough, Just okay. a bit north of Toronto. Very good. Okay, thank you for correcting my pronunciation there. You've just heard the voice of Michelle Strutzenberger, who is my guest today. So welcome to the show, Michelle. Thank you so much, Robin. It's a real honor to be part of this show today. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Thank you so much. And Strassenberger, did I say that correctly? That is correct, yes. Thank you. (laughs) No, well, with um, Jürgen, my husband, being German, and I studied German at university, I have a tendency to pronounce German names in a very German way, and I get into trouble for it. (laughs) I have to kind of anglicize them so so people know what I'm talking about. Actually, the pleasure is all mine, Michelle. I'm really thrilled to have this chance to speak with you. And I know, um, you know, we've known each other professionally for about six years. I counted the years. And it's appreciative inquiry that connects us. That's right. Yes. We met in Sarasota, Florida, when Michelle was attending an appreciative inquiry training there with David Cooper Ryder, who was leading it. And I popped in to say hello. Um, And so that's how we first met. And since that time, um, Michelle has beautifully and graciously written a couple of pieces in the Axiom News where she has been, well, was working um, up until recently. But the funny thing is, Michelle, I don't know if you know this, but Sarasota is the town that we'll be moving to at the end of 2016. Oh, I wasn't aware that that was the place. Okay. (laughs) I'm hoping it has happy memories for you and it'll have lots of enchantment for me. (laughs) Right. Yes. Yes, I really enjoyed my time participating in that course. And I remember the the flurry of energy uh, as you touched down, (laughs) as you uh, visited us at the course. And I think you were working on an app at that time and there was just a lot of energy and excitement around that. And yeah, so I remember that very vividly. Oh, yeah, it was great. Delightful. I mean, yes, it was lovely. I mean, actually, my mother-in-law lives in Sarasota, and we're moving down for family reasons. So, um, and I know David has an apartment there. So I'm hoping that I have more. I'll have more opportunities just to hang out there. Um, Wonderful. In good company. So yeah. yeah, so there's lots of new starts and possibilities. Um, mm-hmm. One might say. And um, just to provide a little context here, a couple of months ago, I received a beautiful email from Michelle and she was announcing that she was embarking on new starts and possibilities for herself. So as I mentioned um, earlier, 
With 15 years um, at Axiom News, Michelle worked as a journalist and a curator there. And her email was announcing that it was time for her to embark on new ventures. And among them was um, children's book authoring. So it was such a beautiful email. And I am such a fan of Michelle's work and Axiom News um, that I, I couldn't let her escape with just disappear into, <laughs> into the ether because our lives had touched. So on the one hand, I was really surprised about your news, Michelle. And on the other, I was so admiring that you were now what appeared to me, and we'll find out, that you were following your heart and you were going to be writing more children's novels because that's what you wanted to do. So in our conversation, um, we talked about, you know, a couple of things that we shared and what we might like to talk about. And one of the topics that Michelle introduced was rekindling life's enchantment. And mm-hmm. I thought that was such an exquisite topic. Um, so I thought we might start today. There's many directions we can go and um, in the spirit of just letting things evolve and emerge and be organic. Um, let's start with that. So let's discover what that means. Um, are you up for that? That sounds great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Oh, great. So, so Michelle, just following the appreciative inquiry, Let's reflect on a time, or if you would remember a time when you actually did experience life's enchantment. Yes, yes. So yeah, this this topic of being intentional about creating ways for the enchantment, the delight of life to come alive again, um, has just really sparked in me lately. Um, And I'm sure we all have a story of a moment or a time or even a season in our life when we felt, we saw, we experienced uh, life's enchantment. And for me, it was when my family immigrated to Canada when I was 12. Um, It was a very hard time in many ways. Uh, You know, I felt alien, felt out of place. Uh, But what helped bring me through at least partly, I believe, was my twin and I discovered this gift uh, for just being awake to and seeing the spark, the allure in some of the reality that was around us. The the lake shore, we we moved to a rambling old home on the lake, Um, our home, uh, even the rain. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so for us, it was about seeing the mystery and the story in the present reality. And so my, the question that's been coming to me is, what if we could intentionally create the conditions for that kind of enchantment uh, to be kindled or rekindled in our lives? And, and for me, you know, I think some of what we discussed, Robin, last time was, you know, is this about escape? Is it about fantasy? <laughs> is it selfish or naive? Um, and, and really, to me, it's, it's not any of that. It's about being fully aware of and attuned to reality, to one's own heartache and, and the sadness and, and fear in ourselves and others and, and responding to that. And in that raw consciousness, also being open and alive to the delight of life, the, the mystery and the story of life. Um, I actually think if you're being escapist, <laughs> uh, that that in the real enchantment that can steal up on you is much less likely to happen. Mm. 
Yeah, and one of the the kind of sad conditions of our time, I think, is is numbness. Um, Marshall McLuhan writes about uh, our increasing exposure to technological innovations um, causing in part some of that increasing numbness. And so this rekindling life's enchantment is the opposite of that (laughs) from my perspective. Yeah, such beautiful, beautiful language. I mean, I think you do write, you have a gift with language and, um, you know, you're a journalist and you write and you're writing children's books. So <laughs> so I think that's, you know, fantastic. So, I mean, just thinking yeah. about um, some of the tweets that you've shared too and some of this language comes through. Um, there was a tweet just recently and it was that, um, isn't it true that when someone delights in us, their delight frees us to see more of life's wonder. Mm. And so when you tell your story of the enchantment that you experience with your sister when you first came here, um, it was, I mean, what came up for me is that you were seeing magic and possibilities and using your imagination about what could be and even looking at the things that were um, perhaps um, things that you may have not wanted to be part of, you were making the best of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost um, what, something else is coming to me um, in the sense that, I don't know, just the word wonder and magical comes up. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. what... So this was with your sister, correct? It was, yes. Yeah. And so what did you value about that relationship with your sister? Uh, I think it was that we were both open to that. And I think our um, we fed off of each other <laughs> and inspired each other. Mm. Um, yeah, so we were both able to uh, see that spark in what was around us. Um, and the, the wonder, like you say. Mm. Yeah. And what about you particularly? What Were there any inklings at that time that, you, you know, you would allow your imagination to end up being something that you would, you would tap into professionally and write? Yes, for sure. Um, I was thinking about, you know, if, say, someone said, well, I'd, I'd like to you know, create a way f- to just be more aware of, of the wonder, the magic, the enchantment of life. Um, and again, that I feel like that sounds rather naive, but I know. So I was thinking about, you know, what are some ways and one way that my twin and I, I was reflecting on was creating. And so it was about writing um, mm-hmm. and imagining and, and so poetry, art, uh, story. So creating more than, you know, you consume and fret and fear and <laughs> uh, that can be a path, I think, to to really delighting in life again. Mm. Yes. As a child, did you really have to rekindle or what, were you simply kindling? I think it was kindling at that point, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so here we are mm-hmm. as grown-up adults. <laughs> so what's it about for you now? You've left your career of 15 years 
and you're now moving into this greater adventure, new adventure. How does this come show up for you now, Michelle? The rekindling, perhaps. This is now where right. it's coming back, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, in my journalistic work with Axiom News, um, the hope and intention was to spark new possibilities by how we went about our work. Um, it was about asking into and writing about people's strengths, the assets in a community, what else was possible, uh, not what everyone is doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say there isn't a place for for what they call often watchdog journalism. That's just not the type of journalism we were doing. And so now with this work that I'm, I'm inspired about, the children's book authoring, um, I've just completed uh, one called The Secret Talent Shop of Pineapple River. Uh, and the main theme is what does it mean to be a community? Mm. And, and really how, how does really seeing and lifting up people's uh, strengths or gifts, everyone's gifts, everyone's strengths in a community, how does that actually spark adventure and wonder and excitement so coming back to the enchantment theme mm -hmm. um, and so what's just give us a little hint about the the storyline there yeah so the secret talent shop of pineapple river uh is about a group of children four children um who in the end create uh what they call a secret talent shop and it's intended to uh, showcase the one small thing that you love to do and can do really well that most nobody knows about. Um, and so they started off as their own little project on their schoolyard, and it just blossoms into this community-wide thing and, um, uh, and just leads them on these adventures that they never anticipated by uh, creating this. I mean, the secret talent shop. I mean, that's a lovely title. <laughs> <laughs> um, who doesn't love secrets, as particularly when you're a kid? Um, and yeah. so they discover, they, what, they co-create community as they discover each other's talents? That's right, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah so they actually create a little a little shop and it's a, it's a whimsical story. Um, but it's, my hope is to, again, just kind of spark their imaginations uh, about what's possible when you see the gifts in each other. Mm -hmm. And it all begins with someone actually seeing their, their flaws and their idiosyncrasies and, and mocking them. Um, mm -hmm. So they're inspired to go in a different direction. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, did you always see the world this way? Um, hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> you know, working with Axiom News, I think I think I had a predisposition, mm -hmm. but working with Axiom News and Peter Pula, the founder of Axiom News, I think, um, and then learning about appreciative inquiry, of course, and asset-based community development, uh, I don't know, validated is the right word. But um, inspired me to to continue mm. Mm. in that direction. Mm -hmm. So seeing um, seeing the strengths, seeing the assets, seeing the capabilities, 
in all situations, people, communities, nature. Um, they were the things that sparked your imagination and you could see possibilities with those things. And so yes. what's to be valued? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was um, talking to um, a chap the other day and he talked about rose-coloured glasses. And I remember I, my father used to say to me, oh, you look at, you, you're looking at the world through rose-coloured glasses. And it was almost mm-hmm. like it wasn't really a compliment. It was more like right. you are too naive, too romantic, you know, you're going to get hurt kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he did it to protect me. But that's mm-hmm. that really, as you said, you, you know, you s- sensed you had a disposition to see the world in this way. And in talking to a lot of people who come from appreciative inquiry or who are exposed to appreciative inquiry, they share the same thing, that it, it already existed within them. And they just mm-hmm. felt validated when they discovered something like appreciative inquiry and you could actually see the world for um, – for all the goodness that's here, all the things that we value, all the things that are working for us already. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it just gives us some sense of, you know, there is, there's lots to be grateful for and lots to be thankful for and we can build on all of this. And so mm-hmm. when you have this collective energy about, you know, seeing what works, um, it's, it's very, it's just, it, it, it just is energising. Yes, yeah. I really am curious about this notion of generative journalism, which is so what we need. So, And I know you've written about that and I'll post in our show notes a piece that you wrote about what is generative journalism and how does it inform the work that you do? Yes. Uh, Well, first of all, I'll say to really understand generative journalism – one needs to speak with Peter Pula <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, hear from him. So actually, if you're looking for another guest, <laughs> I would re- really recommend him. Um, he was, he is the pioneer of it, and he's the one that led the way. Um, and so I've been the practitioner and sort of there, I was the practitioner and there along the whole evolution of the journey. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, but from my perspective, it's um, it was about sparking new possibilities by again illuminating people's strengths and the assets in the community and the possibilities. And so, some of that was done in faith that that would happen, and we didn't always we weren't, didn't always receive the reports back. Like, you know, your questions sparked these possibilities or your stories led to these changes. Um, but yeah, that was the premise. That was the theory is that mm. that was what could happen. From the piece that you wrote, you talk about getting in a state, mm-hmm. you know, before you would go and you know, interview or be with somebody. And, and it was all about being fully present, connecting at a soul level. Mm-hmm. And I'm still reading your words, when an encounter between a journalist and a source is more than an exchange of head knowledge, the possibilities for the experience to be generative, that is to yield new ideas, the promise of future partnerships and or simply an energizing experience open up. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of tr- 
trust there too, isn't there? Yes. Um, just being open to what might emerge in the conversation or the experience? Yes. Mm. And it's also being in the flow. So with this perspective of being in a being fully present, was there a frame of a framework that informed how you might um, interview somebody or how you might create your story? Uh, well, we were very um, influenced by appreciative inquiry. Uh, the work of Peter Block, um, the six conversations was also or has been a huge inspiration. Um, some of the art of hosting work. Mm -hmm. So we were taking these uh, facilitation convening methodologies and weaving them into the journalistic arts, um, which was an interesting experience, actually, because you know, you want to have this meaningful conversation and often did. Uh, but then you're also looking at how can I create an artifact out of that? And that was something we wrestled with quite a bit. Um, you know, do I create a report of the conversation? And so which can often be less engaging than the actual conversation was, or is it something the next iteration of the conversation, and that's the direction we were moving in, um, was that it was not a report, but it was ideally um, mm. something that added to the conversation, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, so can you give me a, an example of where you might have been in that um, that kind of partnership where the conversation might then manifest in a different way other than um, a report or a piece of journalism? Am I understanding that correctly? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's kind of subtle, but or it is the the difference. I guess is subtle. the The result would could be um, something that focused more on what energized me about the conversation, what possibilities I could see for the future as a result. Um, which leans more in the direction of a blog or a col column or an editorial. So kind of making meaning of the conversation uh, as a narrator. What energizes you about writing? Maybe it's not. Oh, I'm finding it more of a difficult question than one would think I should. Um, <laughs> we actually used to say in our conversation about questions, you know, if it gives the person pause, mm -hmm. that's good. That can be a good thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think to so too, yeah. 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 Well, let me say that, let me just, let me um, frame it this way. Um, as a writer, I have an assumption that you find the act of writing energizing and you get into that flow state. You know, we say when you're working to strengths that um, you are getting into that flow state and you're finding, even though things might be a little challenge, but the challenge and the, um, and the ability to do stuff is, is, um, is almost balanced in a way that you're, you're, you get lost in it. So therefore it's energizing and keeps you going. So I'm just wondering, how is that for you when you're writing? 
Do you get into that flow state? Is it energizing for you? You know, since you're writing children's books now and you've been a journalist, what what writing does for you? Yes, I def all that you described, I definitely have that experience of getting into that flow state and even when there are challenges, um being able to meet those and and thriving on uh, trying to address those. Yeah, and a part of it is a compulsion as well. Um, and I know I've heard many other people talk about this, where they feel they just have to um, write. They can't imagine not doing it. And so what that, what's that like? In terms of the compulsion? Yes. I want, I keep going to this thought about creation and needing to create. <laughs> um, and the, the subject matter has something to do with that, but I feel like it goes above and beyond because I had that as a journalist and now, you know, with a children's book authoring, that's a different audience. It's a different genre. Um, and I have the same feeling about it. So there's something to do with uh, needing to bring something new <laughs> mm -hmm. into being and having this inclination towards writing being the the path by which I do that creating. And obviously for other people, it's, it's other things. Mm. I mean, how did you shift from, and again, I'm making this up because I don't know. So, um, you know, you're, you're writing and commenting on the world and then you're also commenting on the world but through a more imaginative capacity and maybe this is you know the mystery and the possibilities that come when you were writing you know when you're writing your novels as opposed to doing your um, journalism so I'm, I'm not a, I'm in a very awkward way I'm asking you do you have to put on a different hat or you know, different set of clothing, <laughs> mm. metaphorically speaking, to write in these different styles? And to a certain extent, yes, I've found I do. Uh, with the generative journalism, uh, there was always another actor, if you will. Um, I always had someone else in mind whose story I was illuminating on or at least making meaning about or thinking about possibilities. Um, and with the children's book writing, it is, like you say, coming from my imagination and or inspired by my childhood. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's um, there's definitely a difference. <laughs> and is it a good combination or do you have a preference? Well, I'm... I still feel very new in the children's book authoring. So um, I think I need to give it some more time mm -hmm. <laughs> to see if I have a preference. Uh, I mean, I spent close to 15 years with the, the journalistic writing. Um, I did it almost every day. Mm. Um, yeah. How did you get into it? I saw an ad in uh, a job center. Mm-hmm that uh, company was looking for a writer. So I put in my resume and that was the beginning. <laughs> and how did you get into Axiom News? 
Well, that was Axiom News. Oh, so the, the place where I saw the, and it was called, I believe, the Newsletter Company mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah. that's that's been, um, that's the 15 years. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. What are some of the, if you think about, again, your own talents and gifts, um, what are you most proud of in terms of, you know, the 15 years of working as a journalist um, with the one organisation, you know, what, what, what delights you? What are you most proud of? What wonderful memories do you have? I think it is the, the connections with people um, that I fostered mm. uh, and just the amazing relationships um, so I guess in that sense, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm proud. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I had a small part to play in that, but I'm grateful too, mm-hmm. <laughs> because obviously others had a part to play in mm-hmm. that. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm taking away is what meant the most to me in my time there, mm-hmm. both with our team, like the small team that I was working with, and then just the people around the world that we were able to connect with. Yeah, and yeah. and you say you know with the um, the secret talent shop of Pineapple River, the book that's waiting for a publisher is that correct? It is, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what are you doing about that? How are you getting yourself a publisher? Well, I'm taking the most difficult route to start, which is going without an agent and approaching traditional publishers that still take unsolicited manuscripts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, we'll see how that goes. I mean, I'm open to other possibilities as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've ex- begun exploring those. Um, yeah. So, so where I was going with that, though, is that um, you mentioned at the beginning that the the story in that book was inspired by a lot of the work that you got exposed to at Axiom. Yes. You know, this um, asset-based community work um, and appreciative inquiry. And so recognising how that is, um, is really benefiting communities at large and organizations was there a sense that you can learn this at a much earlier age or was it that you know children do this instinctively or intuitively so I'm just curious about the blend of those two so it's almost like as adults when we come back into community context and we you know we have methodologies and we have a facilitator um, come in and help us, you know, help communities um, find the talents and the strengths and come up with their dreams and then design them and go out there and live them, you know, and for people to self-organise into that is fantastic. And so I'm just wondering with your story and kids are doing it for themselves, that kids have this innate ability to self-organise and self-manage, you know, and it's actually called play, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. If you think about it, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so when you when you started to write this book, I'm just wondering from which direction it may have come from. Both did it come from? Oh my God! You know, we're we're doing this as adults, or but kids always do this anyway. So you know, so <laughs> mm-hmm. so just curious about where 
where it was for you when you came up with a with the plot of this book? Right. That's a great question. Um, so my intent all along and what I've been saying was uh, I wanted to awaken the imaginations of children to the possibilities uh, in the 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 spirit and theme of these methodologies like asset-based community development and appreciative inquiry. So not, you know, coming heavy handed down on them uh, with formula or forms and, uh, you know, the ABCDs of it, but Mm -hmm. just kind of sparking their imagination so that when they do encounter it, when they're older, uh, there's already already that familiarity. Mm -hmm. Uh, But now as you were speaking, it was like, yeah, you're right. Children in many ways are, do do some semblance of that. Um, so it could be about validating, you know, the direction that they already take or the way they're inclined already, um, if that makes sense. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, that just, just was occurring to me as we were having this conversation, thinking about mm-hmm. how kids do self-organise and mm-hmm. come up with these little um, – not little, I don't mean little in a demeaning sense, but, you know, in an endearing way, um, invent all sorts of amazing things and, mm-hmm. and beca- you know, create their own hospitals and create their own grocery stores and create yeah. all kinds of stuff. And I'm just wondering whether, and because I don't have children, but you do, and you can make this observation, <laughs> that whether they often recognise, well, I'm good at this, so I'm going to do this. <laughs> Right, so right. Recognizing their own talents and saying, "Well, no," and um, and you're really good at doing that. So I think you should go and be that person. So just whether there's this kind of intuitive knowing um, about you, you know, being energized about what you're really good at, and playing that out, and then we kind of get that educated out of us somehow. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what happens. I'm very excited for you. I think I'm very admiring of your courage to follow your heart. Is that is that how it is? Are you did you feel this need that you wanted to invest yourself in this new venture? Yes, there it's definitely been um a sense of calling that's mm-hmm. kind of shaping the direction I'm taking now. There's this great quote, a calling is something you discover, not something you choose. Mm. And so there is a feeling in all of this that um uh yeah, it's it, it's about responding, not just saying this is what I'm going to do now, although that's part of it. Mm. <laughs> And it's with a sense of not, uh, I mean, I don't know what the future holds. And it's, uh, so it's an adventure in that way, too. I don't have my five-year plan. At this point, I guess I should work on some sort of more definite plan. But uh, it's about following some energies and uh, some things I need believe I need to be doing at this point and then seeing what happens. Mm. So you're active on Twitter, and I already yes. quoted one lovely tweet and there was another one too that I discovered which was very beautiful and it was um, it was related to this topic actually and it was meandering can be a way to kindle or rekindle life's enchantment. So the value of meandering, um, 
that connotes something very lovely to me, um, meaning for me lack of structure. I don't know, following something that you're not quite sure what you're following yet but just wandering through and allowing things to emerge, allowing things to happen. What's meandering to you? It's beautifully put. <laughs> I don't know if I could say it any better. I'm sure yeah. you can. Yeah, so that uh, with my Twitter account, um, I've been inspired by Lynn Serafin. I mentioned her to you the other day uh, um, and her book, The Seven Graces of Marketing. Um, and a comment that she made about our social media work being a gift as well to the world. Uh, and I thought, oh, I, I just love that. And I'd like to have that in mind as I share my, mm. my tweets. Mm. What else would you like to say? Is that something, if you've been thinking about this, what haven't I touched on that you feel you would love to say? Yeah, thank you. Well, just going back to the meandering comment um, and this whole idea of kindling or rekindling life's enchantment, um, I had thought of, you know, other ways, you know, like lingering over art that speaks to you, um, memorizing a poem that makes your spirit full, um, being fed by the enchantment of others, like a, a child who's still seeing the wonder of life, um, just allowing yourself to really take that in. Mm. Yeah. What else? Well, I was thinking too about this idea of, you know, when others find us enchanting, uh, you know, whether that's a child who still sees us as just wonderful <laughs> or um, in the early stages of a romantic relationship. Um, you know how life's wonder kind of opens up. I've found anyway. <laughs> mm. But also just thinking like as a person of, of faith, um, those those circumstances come and go, right? It, you know, the child grows up, the romantic relationship <laughs> moves on. Um, but as a person of faith, we can trust that that God always delights in us. Mm. And I hope I'm not crossing lines by sharing that. But, uh, you know, there is that's something we can live with all the time. We don't have to wait for circumstances or people around us to change, mm. to know that he always sees us with delight. And I think that can free our spirits too, to, uh, to see the delight in life around us. Yeah. But I think that also speaks to, you know, whatever faith, you know, whatever your faith is, but even just seeing the divinity within yourself, if you can take that stand, um, I think that's very beautiful mm. and delighting in that and being gentle and compassionate and loving and kind to oneself, mm -hmm. I think is beautiful. Where else can we rekindle life's enchantment? Mm. I think um, one comes from, from mind and that is through pets – Oh, yes. 
Thank you for mentioning that, actually. Mm. I hadn't thought of that. Mm. Well, this is a generative conversation. Yes, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) We did speak about... um, several times now about Twitter. So would you like just to share with us, Michelle, how people could connect with you? Yeah, so it's at Michelle underscore uh, part of my last name, Struts, S-T-R-U-T-Z. Okay, good. So is there anything else you'd like to say um, today on this topic or anything else? Uh, Well, I wonder if I might close with a quote by Madeleine Langle uh, that that inspired me in art. And I was thinking of art in the very broadest sense. We are once again able to do all the things we have forgotten. We are able to walk on water. We speak to the angels who call us. We move unfettered among the stars. Thank you for that. Well, this has been lovely. I just want to say thank you so much for spending this time with me and for having this conversation, Michelle. Thank you so much. Thank you as well. Very great honour, Robin. Also, you can be notified of new episodes by email. Links to all these suggestions are available on positivitystrategist.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening and remember what you focus on grows so grow towards your best.